Live from the Pathway Studios in Johnston Proper. You are live from the path. Studios here in Johnston Proper. Boys, hey. Well, hey. Hey. Oh, well, hey. Hey. How's it going? Yeah, I know. I'm doing all right. Don't bend, don't meddle in my affairs. I'm, a, I'm asking our listeners. <laughs> Stay out. It's getting really personal. Stay I'm, out of my business. <laughs> <laughs> you would you're take meddling. That way. I'm asking our listeners Sheesh. how they're doing. Oh, Ben. Yeah, I mean, what a sh- what a shallow what a shallow interaction. You know, they can't answer. They, it's like can, talk- they can find me on the Facebook. It's uh, like talking will, to your neighbors. They will find he me away. among the people that have liked Live from the Path. Thank you very much. Yeah. That's I like saying, it. let me know if I can help, knowing no one ever lets you know yeah. if they can help. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Because it's yeah, a vague enough thing. What I was just let me, no. let me know. I'll do anything. <laughs> I, would, I know you won't ask. You've known me for like 20 years. <laughs> Come on, man. would go to the Is ends of the earth for you. I've had people in my life say, hey, anything, really, let us know. And we let them know. They're like, oh, not that. No, I can't do that. Well, that's not what I'm saying here. Well, no. <laughs> if I say, what's up, how's it going? If somebody actually wants to strike up a conversation, I'm going to go, great, let's talk. <laughs> you tell me if they do that. We lost our live line, though. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, that's true. <laughs> It'll be on the complaint line in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's right. Hey. That's right. Hey, hey, hey Boomer. <laughs> Doing pretty good. Awesome. Thanks. How <laughs> yeah, are you? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. It's going to take eight months to have a full conversation. Uh, yes. <laughs> Three years an atheist will answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's a stupid question. <laughs> hey, we're, we're Did you go- pray about that? All right, fine. <laughs> Prayer doesn't work. Here's <laughs> got going on the show tonight. Uh, hey, there are a couple of articles I wanted to catch up on. There's a st- uh, it says, uh, black men who attend church frequently are more likely to be obese. What? And I was surprised. Bla- bla- only black? <laughs> That's what I said. Anyway, we'll check it I, out. I must have a lot I of soul. I feel like you might be drawing some correlations that aren't actually there. Guys. I didn't write the article. That's why I said guys, not Ben. Well, you don't know it was written by a dude? Okay. What? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's, a rough, it's a rough I'm night for Booba. I'm just going to hang out. I'll I didn't know you now. were going to act this way. Otherwise, I would have prepared myself. Uh, also, there is... Um, uh, there was a, a report out by Christianity Today. It says, in Christ alone, most believers say they don't need others for discipleship. Wait, say it again. It uh, said uh, most believers say they don't need others for discipleship. Right. Okay. Uh, there was a, you know, there's that's a, the American church. Yeah. Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna get their thoughts on it. Uh, also, uh, I heard tell. Uh, here's here was the thing that happened. Are you sure now? You want me to talk about? He, here was the thing that happened to me. <laughs> I was at an Iowa Cubs game recently, and there was the guy that takes the hot dog cannon. You don't know talk about yeah. hot dog mm-hmm. cannon. Mm-hmm. You think I don't know about a hot dog cannon? Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> hot dog cannon. My, and my daughter catches one. It was her birthday. We took her out there for her birthday. She, oh, caught this, she caught this thing for the hot dog cannon. And so she brings it back, and she starts opening it up, and there's like 15 layers of foil on this thing to try to keep it warm. I was going to ask you if the hot dog was yeah, hot. Here's the deal. I'm pretty sure they package those at 2 p.m., oh, and they no. don't fire them out to cannon until 8.30. <laughs> oh. So they put like eight, you know, eight, ten rows of, of aluminum foil to try to keep this thing warm, and it was not effective. It was a lukewarm hot dog. Anyway, she's super excited about it. She's showing it around, and no one's breaking looking. 
No one's paying any attention at all to her. She's throwing this hot dog around, and they're like, like the strangers or, or people? Yeah, yeah, like, hey, check us out. Hey, I hey, got you. the hot dog, or whatever. <laughs> and like, everyone's staring off at something else. And like, I thought, what the heck is going on over there? And so I, I kind of walked over this group of people. They're all staring this one direction, and I said, what is going on in here? And they said, hey, the Pope's in town. <laughs> Whoa. I said, I had no idea. The Pope has been around. And they, they gave the address of where the Pope was, and I said, I'll be doggone it. That sounds like Boova's place. And so, anyway, they became convinced that Boova's the Pope. Hello. The Pope. And so, uh, the only way to get rid of him, only way to get him off from harassing uh, Boova's multiplex here is to give some sort of advice like the Pope would do. And so, uh, Boova's on the hook for some Pope-style advice tonight. Every time, I want to get invested in those stories. Because I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, this sounds great. But then, like, 15 seconds in, I'm like, it's going wasted 15 <laughs> yeah. seconds. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this is a lie. This is a setup. <laughs> anyway, yeah, man. anyway uh, that's what I heard tales going on. So uh, <laughs> Sweet. Sounds very elaborate. And then we'll get some, uh, get some advice on dear life in the past just to, to yeah. clean up your life. <laughs> hey, hey I, I took my, my daughter to dental school this, this past week. There was a family day. They, they have a, a, a full-time counselor for dental students. Yeah. Really? Full-time. It's like the last four that. years. Because and there, there's like a, a you know student panel and yeah. they, and they kind of you know tell their story. These are all like you know they always hear cream of the crop. This is like the cream of the cream of the crop. This is like like all these super overachievers. You know, there's a thousand people trying to get in and they they select eighty. So it's like they take they're just right. They've never failed at anything in their life. Any of these people, right? Right. And they say every one of you will fail. That's just oh. that's dental school. You will fail something. Oh no. Now there's a ninety eight percent graduation rate, but you will fail. I mean, they are they are wow. I mean, you will hit a wall, and everybody thinks, oh, no, that's other people, not me. And, and so they had, they had to hire a counselor four years ago, full-time counselor, who is busy. Oh, okay. Even though they set the expectations of you will fail. They oh, yeah. Still, they okay. still don't believe it. It's like because they think us other people. Okay. I've, I've been all around because they, they're, they're used to just like, yeah, everybody says that, and right. I don't fail. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's like. They're a part of the 2% that never fails. They will fail. Boy. Wow. That freaks me out about going to the dentist now because I think this guy fails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, yeah. I'm going to go ask my dentist, hey, what did you fail? Yeah. <laughs> the thing out. is, and they also bend over backwards to help them succeed, but they have to fail first. Uh, that's true. You've got you to recognize you've got the fallibility. I totally kind of dig on it. It just kind of, though, what, what blew me away was I'm thinking, how many generations have pe- of people throughout history have become dentists without a counselor? Why do we suddenly need a counselor? And, honestly, she said they have therapy puppies. Of course they do. I'm like... Welcome to 2019. Think, things have changed. Yeah. You've got I, I don't even know what to think about that other than like, I guess cool. I mean, uh, I, I, I dig on the concept of, of needing to learn how to fail. I think that's great. Uh, I think it's kind of sad that we do have to have a counselor for that. Like you, yeah. you are shattered so much by failure. That, like you can't come to grip and need to have a full there it was just it was fascinating yeah. yeah and and the students were like oh yeah yeah she's a, she's a rock star and i say and this as someone who goes to counseling by the way so i'm not condemning counseling oh i love counseling i mean I think yeah. it's great it, i think it's a wonderful yeah. tool so please don't take it that way but like yeah i agree with you that is interesting yeah. that they have to have someone there full time for that yeah now versus the last you know how many years of dentistry yeah yeah, I, I, I thought it was, it was just interesting, but then I thought I that's probably away. not right. Yeah, boy, that is that is super interesting. I mean, <laughs> I, I I suppose it is something like it's certainly helpful to have around like a situation yeah. that you don't know how to deal with. Failure being one of them, right? If yeah. you're just not used to failing, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One guy was like, uh, he he finally after a while went to the to get help. He said, I, I'm just I'm just I'm 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 not gonna make it. And, and they're like, oh dude, you're not even on the radar. You're fine. 
and he was like totally failing everything. Wow. And, okay. And then like two two students down in the panel, the guy goes, "Yeah, I was on the radar." <laughs> <He's> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I was there. <laughs> hey, you know, actually, that, it's interesting that you brought that up, Dan, because I was thinking about that this week. Is that like uh, one of the things that is uh, very prevalent in our culture is it's kind of the uh, affirming the reality of people's experiences, uh-huh. which, uh, which I, I think there is. I think there's an understanding of like um, people do take in the world differently. Like, yeah, various yeah. groups of people they take in the room yeah, differently. Absolutely. Okay, so like um, uh, reality is is uh, subjective to a certain extent, not because of what occurred, but but how people process it, right? Mm-hmm. How they take it in. Um, however. The the risk to that is completely affirming. Uh, this is where the, we get the phrase "your truths," right? Hey, I want to speak my my truth, right? Like as um, as if there isn't um, a non-subjective, an objective right. reality right. in front of you. And so okay, we can we can recognize that there's subjectivity to how people take things in, how they process, how their past is informed, how they take it in, or recognize situations or whatever, um, without otherwise denying that there's an objectivity to it, and 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 also that there is not a um, um, an understanding of oh, I'm going to say that I'm I'm not finding the right words for it. Um, of relativity mm-hmm. to the problems that you're having, right? Um, like because there's on on one hand, if someone's going through a rough time. You say, look, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's certainly rough. I acknowledge that that this is feeling really heavy on you. Uh, however, uh, there are worse things, relatively speaking. Right. Uh, this isn't the worst thing, or or other people have gone through similar things. Um. And so this can't be this this can't be the end the end of everything, right? This can't be like the darkest moment. Like other other, other folks have been able to kind of interact with this thing or that thing. Um, so anyway, what I was thinking about is that like it is a there's a risk in not doing either one of those things. There's a risk in not recognizing that there's a uniqueness to how people take in the world uh, and how uh, how things are informed to what makes what makes them sub- subjective. Um, but also, like, I don't think you're taking that away from them to otherwise bring objectivity to the discussion as well and say, look, um, just for perspective, there, there's something bigger than whatever it is that you're facing. Right. Um, but anyway, I, it's interesting you say that because, like, I think there is, there is a thought of, hey, this is actually – this is wrecking me. This thing is causing me all kinds of trouble. Mm-hmm. And for people who see kind of the wide gamut go, hey, I, I hear what you're saying and I know this is rough on you, but just so you know, like, not on the radar. Type of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I, it's interesting they said that because like that's been something that's been on my mind this week is like how you, um, how do we take? I think that there are some good things about making sure that that, that we recognize people um, take the world differently without otherwise kind of affirming that it that they have the core uh, vision of reality, right? That that how they took it. It doesn't mean it's actually the objective truth. It just means it's true that that is how they're feeling about it. Well, I think that speaks to to a, a core issue that I think we have. Um, societally is the concept of like you can be empathetic towards someone's specific situation and the way that they do interpret their own situations, the way they do interpret reality, and also bring the truth of objective reality at the same time. You know, it is not it is not inherently against emotions or against them or unsupportive to con- to bring in the concept of objective re- objective reality. Excuse me. Um, you know, j- if someone's screwing something up, you can empathize with the fact that they're. They're feeling a certain way, yeah. but you can still bring truth to them. Yeah. And it's also – it brings in our faith too of like the way that we speak about the concept of, of being living in the kingdom of Christ. Like we are, we are so fearful of destroying people's subjective concepts of what earth – of what, what living is, what yeah. morality is, what things are. And, and we are so worried about being PC that we lose the concept of bringing objective truth. The Bible of bringing what God says and what he speaks. Like we, we are so fearful of the of – the, 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 backlash from bringing objectivity 
to a very, very highly subjective world. And if we understand the concept of empathizing with, yes, I acknowledge that you may believe that, and I acknowledge that those are your beliefs based off of your interpretations of how you've dealt with things, what, have hap- what has happened in your life, yep. but that does not change what does not change, which is God. God yep. does not change. His laws, his commandments do not change. He and his identity do not change. This is who he is. It is okay to live subjectively in certain ways, but you need to realize even though subjectively you feel that way, this is truth, and this is honesty. This is an objective reality. Yeah, and I, I agree, and I, I think that's um, that's what's difficult is that in the culture that we're in, um, any notion of that, um, uh, it, it, it feels so. If your subjective interpretation of a situation um, is what you, feels true to you, to the extent that someone says, "I understand that that's how you feel," the objective reality is this. It feels like you're saying you're a liar. Right. Exactly. Right. Like to to like that you're that there's a, that you're making it up or or that you're intentionally misleading people, and like that isn't the intent of that conversation. Right. Um, but we are the just the very nature of how our society takes something in the very presence of the phrase "speak my." Truth, mm-hmm. which is a fairly popular thing to say, oh, yeah. um, implies that if I don't agree with that, there is that it, not only am I wrong, I'm calling you a liar. Right. As a, um, but it's it's the diminishing of diminishment of objective reality. Mm-hmm. Um, of which here's the thing is like I, I obviously can't um, outside of scripture, outside of what I what I understand about God, um, I can't claim myself. Mm-hmm. Like I like obviously I take things in a subjective way. It's people do it on, on a minor basis on how they hear someone says something and you took it in, even if you heard the exact same words, you took right. it in with some sort of inclination that may or may not have been there. Um, but like anyway, it's it's just interesting to to recognize, and I think for me, um, it's one of the things that I probably have to just keep an eye on in my life and say, look, am I willing for how I feel about something to be wrong? To say to, to acknowledge that it's true. This is how I feel. Actually, I have this. I have a. I have constant anxiety. Like there's an ang- anxiousness in me, um, things that I I know I shouldn't be anxious about, and like and I can tell myself, look, I I don't feel anxious about this. And I've had I, I, well-meaning pe- people go, hey, you know, you shouldn't be anxious because this is the reality. And I'm like, you know, I know what you're saying is true. I I, I accept that what you're saying is true. For some reason, my body can't seem to get uh-huh, along yeah. on board with this. Um, but but I don't ever deny the fact that what they're saying is like you're worrying about something that you shouldn't worry about. And like I know in my mind to say I agree. I should not and I can accept that. I think where you where we lose where we lose a grip of, of reality a little bit is when I say, No, you don't understand. I should be worrying about it. Or I obviously am worrying about right. it. So it's true, it's worth worrying about. I that that doesn't mean it's just as I felt it doesn't mean it's true. In fact your feelings are oftentimes <laughs> deceitful, right? Like yeah. by definition irrational most yeah. of the time. So anyway, I, just, I, I thought it was when you said that it just triggered something that had been sitting on my mind this week. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Uh, black men who attend church services frequently are nearly twice as likely to be obese than those who never attend services, according to a study by Duke University researchers. What is going on at Duke University? <laughs> Don't we have uh, have we fixed have we fixed cancer? Right. Is this are, what we need to be doing done? surveys on and things like that? Is vaping killing people or not? Like, what is going on <laughs> that the guys at Duke are like, you know what? We're some fat black fellas. And how often do they go to church? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to hear this one because I'm interested to hear about the correlation. Oh, man, I should have clicked on the study first. The study, investigating denominational and church attendance differences in obesity and diabetes in black Christian men and women from Duke's Samuel du, du Bois that Cook, is. Cook Center for Social Equity, also suggested – I want, now i, I got to read the whole study. Also suggested <laughs> that the development of obesity in black men highly engaged in church life could be influenced by their social networks. Uh, social networks in this case refers to a web of relationships among individuals. It's a weird thing to study. 
Now, I, I don't know, just for the record, a single obese person in Zimbabwe attending church, and they're all black. Right. <laughs> just, just for the record. Yeah, I mean, maybe Americans should have been thrown in that, the, too. Yeah, the confines of the East Coast. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, it says the lower prevalence of diabetes among Catholics and Presbyterians was also noted when compared to groups such as Baptists, Pentecostals, Methodists, and <laughs> other Protestant groups. Which denominations are the fattest? Really? I mean, they, and how does that correlate specifically to black men? Uh, Catholics and Presbyterians are more likely to use legit wine for communion. <laughs> Maybe this diabetes is related to this uh, grape juice. <laughs> you didn't think about that, Bova? Of course you didn't. Uh, no, I did not think about the sugar content in the grape juice. It's a lightweight problem. All right. Uh, researchers say these key findings now need to be factored into faith-based health promotions. Since obesity increases the risk of developing cardiovascular disease and diabetes. This is not – do they say – uh, do they say why, though? Like, what's the under – At the uh, what's the fellowship point? dinners? Yeah, like – It's the Baptist barbecues. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> what? No, no. I mean, they know how to do it. It's the Southern Baptist barbecues. It's home cooking. Uh, I, I should, I'll have to read it later. There's 16 pages. I can't see oh, it. Oh, 68 pages no, in no, the no, study? No, 16. 16. Oh, I think you said 68. Uh, okay, here we go. It's my subjective reality. It's my truth. The study <laughs> was conducted using data from the National Survey of American Life. Hey, man. Can we get a hold of that? That sounds awesome. Right. Draw lots. The National Survey of American Life? To investigate the correlation between the faith traditions and health outcomes for more than 4,300 African-American and Afro-Caribbean Christians. I want, yeah, but why, though? Why do right. they want to know that? Yeah, I was going to say, do they have a motive that's a part of the study? Uh, our analysis of data found no denominational differences in obesity, but did observe an interaction between gender and the frequency of religious service attendance that greatly increased the likelihood of obesity in men, not women. So they're, they're arguing that it's not denominational, it's frequency of attendance. And, and, and gender. And the fact that it's male. Yeah. yeah, dudes who attend church. It's a fairly specific data set to draw from. Uh, oh, I mean, I kind of wonder, do they just look at African Americans? I'd be interested to know if they look at... Um, right, that's what I was wondering too. Is, is, it, is, is it, it all a dudes? broad <laughs> spectrum and then they're just finding this correlation specifically? Or was the study intentionally meant for Afro-American and Afro-Cuban or Cuban-American? Uh, uh, Caribbean. Uh, Caribbean-American? Afro-Caribbean. 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 I was like, sorry. <laughs> Afro-Cuban-Caribbean-American? Uh, let's sorry, see. Sorry, I'm horribly not PC. I apologize. Uh, yeah. It said that church engagement is an important factor in obesity for black men. Concerning diabetes, lower odds emerged among Presbyterians and Catholics compared to Baptists. No interaction between gender and religious service attendance was observed for this outcome. This finding indicates that the odds of diabetes do vary between denominations within the black church and communicate the importance of considering denominations in health promotion. And Yeah, but why, though? Why? Like, I get it. Like, oh, we can target uh, Pentecostals because they're fat. But, like, why? Well, it, it sounds like the, the, the high church, you know, uh, high liturgy type are not as obese, but they tend to not have as many fellowship events as, like, your evangelical churches that strive for fellowship activities, and they Weird. almost always have food. Yeah, I mean, I find, but why aren't the, why aren't the ladies having the problem? Because they're, they're making it? The dudes are sitting they're, they're around? They're busy working. The dudes are sitting back watching. Lazy fellows are sitting about? Interesting. Uh, while diabetes is the seventh leading cause of death among Americans in general, I, but I, I'm sorry if you're Protestant or uh, you're uh, Pentecostal. I'm not implying you're all fat. I'm just saying this is what the, <laughs> obviously what the notion of the study is indicating. <laughs> um, while well, one-third of, of all American men and women have been classified as obese among African-Americans alone, that rate is 48.4%. Okay, so then the question is, if that's true for African-Americans as a whole, um, is that just because African-Americans maybe are more likely to be Pentecostal, as an example? 
But like, it's not because they're Pentecostal. Right. You're, it's because they're whatever the trend is in the African American community. Also seems to indicate, like, if they're more likely to be one Baptist and yeah. Pentecostal rather than Catholic. You're drawing the line, wrong line of causation. Yeah, what the heck? Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is just... I'm thinking this is completely unrelated. They, they <laughs> yeah, like... Right, exactly. Just like, <laughs> that's what I'm saying is, like, you found a data set that seems to support this yeah. and came up with what seems like a logical causation line for your research. I mean, because there's obese and diabetic people in America. Correlation does not mean causation. I wonder how if they should do this test with atheists if that changes the data, you know, the <laughs> statistics. Uh, yeah, are you obese? Percentage? Are you African American? Are you atheist? Tell us now. Uh, is that in the life survey? Does I, I want to know. Survey? Does going to church affect if you have a parakeet or not? <laughs> yeah, this is to. I'm also again. I'm interested to hear the motive as to why they started this study. Yeah, it doesn't. Like it seems like they're talking a lot about um, uh, health services well, offered want, within the Christian community. When I you think want is what grant money, you got to find something no one else is studying, oh, so you got to come up with something. I, I, legitimately, that is a very valid point. That's their livelihood. <laughs> it is one hundred percent valid point. Hey, has anyone studied this ever? No. Should we? That doesn't matter. Will Let's anyone give us money the for need. it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> can we study? Can we get? To, can we get a department on this? Give us all the job for ten years. This is great. Hey, the Pentecostal Church is very interested in the causation between obesity and church church uh, attendance. Duke, you got anything? <laughs> I think we got a couple people. Oh, we can no. probably make this happen. Oh, I'm just. I'm, oh. Yeah, yeah. There's that not might enough, be a take home one. My, there's not my, enough why here. Uh, anyway, let, the, the, we'll finish out the article here. Um, the study further pointed to gendered roles. Um, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. We need to call some oh. of the researchers. Yeah. Find some. Uh, developing obesity was seen among siblings and spouses. Um, Oh, wait. The authors pointed to research showing that beyond the age of 32, obesity can be transferred among individuals. Answer. You can catch obesity. I'd like to share mine. Obesity can be transferred? <laughs> Hold on. Developing this obesity great news. was seen oh, among siblings so sorry, and spouses everybody. <laughs> if one person became obese. Among friends, if one became obese, the other had a 57% increased chance. <laughs> this is so, so Maybe because you have common yeah, interests exactly. like pizza. Yeah, you hang out together and eat fried chicken together. You like Doritos together. together. You hang out together and enjoy a couple sub sandwiches. Oh, no. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, male same-gendered friendships showed an increased chance of becoming obese when one friend enters that weight group. We can no longer go out to eat together, fellas. Actually, oh. here's the deal. I, I, it does not surprise me that a group of dudes, uh, let's say there's ten guys, they're all just waiting for one guy to make it seem like this is fine. <laughs> and like, oh, you know what? Gate is open. Is that why since high school all my friends have been letting themselves go? Because I've just been there the whole time. They're like, well, if Buva did it, we They'll can. They say, hey, <laughs> we just needed one. Give me one reason <laughs> this to stay fun. here. Or I'll turn it back around. Like, they As just I think, drink from a two-liter Diet Coke. Yeah. That, they, just, they, just, they just need an excuse to say, Good look, life. this is it's time of life. We're allowed to do this. <laughs> now, now uh, to... Uh, Reverse this uh, study here. I, I'm having lunch with someone on Thursday, and, and I suggested Mexican food, and they said like, "No, I really need salad," and so I'm going to a salad bar. Oh, really? So you they had a reverse. I was trying to spread my joy, and they didn't take it. Spread your joy of Mexican food? Uh, just obesity. I mean, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> food liking eating unhealthy food. I, would, I mean, well, you can eat it unhealthy at a salad bar, Dan. Well, it's possible. You can eat just as unhealthy at a salad bar as you can at a Mexican place. I'll try. Mexican place, you can get one plate. Salad bar, you can keep going back and getting your ranch-soaked bacon chips oh. on your uh, on your cheesy lettuce. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just saying, uh, I as, eat pretty as someone who can do damage, yeah. <laughs> that has proven I read a book. year over year again that I can do damage, I'm oh. just saying, just because it says salad bar doesn't mean you can't walk away with an 8,000-calorie meal. I, yeah. always, I usually consider Mexican to be a healthy option simply because they, I mean, there's, there's some greens on there. 
tomatoes. Okay, let me, let me go some, ahead and say again. Get you some uh, lettuce. <laughs> you're, you're finding weird reasons to call something healthy. <laughs> some, pro, <laughs> some beans in there. That's like saying, hey, man, that burger that was covered in uh, in bacon and grease and stuff like that had garnish of a piece of lettuce, so it, it has to be healthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's got a little extra stuff on yeah. there. Oh, when my lettuce was covered in mayo and ketchup, but still there. I mean, so I'm getting my leafy greens into the day. Right. <laughs> that mayo was, isn't that like the middle of a plant or something? I just assume <laughs> I just yes. assume it's a vegetable. The, the mayo root. <laughs> All right. Uh, dis- oh, oh, check this out, Dan. Distinct oh. church roles may also encompass oh, distinct no. Oh, no. Uh, taxing responsibilities for black men and women within and outside the church. Yeah, you go to, out to eat all the time with your congregation. Um, perhaps a factor in our findings is the superwoman rule, a liability and asset-laden phenomenon describing black women's stress-coping response and its connection to adverse health outcomes like obesity. I, now, I've never seen a study on, on the pastorate. Uh, on whether, say, the stress uh, associated with pastoring churches of various sizes and in denominations causes one to be overweight. I, I've I've read those before. Yeah. I mean, like back in the day that they, they were always like, get your exercise, watch yourself, because... I don't think how many skinny pastors many, I know. Usually the more, you know... Mega guys are pretty thin because that's like they got it's all about image. They're you also know? Yeah, yeah, basically Hollywood. But actors. like just real pastors, they're, they they're looking at they're you know they're all overweight. <laughs> they're softball team. They're that's all like, hey, <laughs> look at that fried chicken. I'm in <laughs> potato salad. Oh yeah, I couldn't turn down Mrs. <laughs> Frederick's fried chicken. <laughs> this all you can eat pie contest is for the youth program. <laughs> well, so I'll I guess I gotta have to do it. Hey man, people in your church baking pies and bringing them by though, I could have that come back. I think this might be the only reason the Lord not, would not call me to be a pastor, uh, is the pie-eating contest. Uh, let's see. In our sample, the black men who have obesity and frequently engaged in the church may embody a Superman rule, experiencing, over, uh, experiencing overwhelm from church and other social contexts that undermine self-care. I mean, that's true for anybody, though. Um, right. It's just less. Uh, so some of, the, some of the similar taxing situations, like CEOs, like higher-level businessmen, uh, the only difference, I suppose, with them is that, like, they might be making money that would allow them to put the old treadmill in the office or yeah. spend time playing golf or whatever. The pastor generally doesn't have that some sort of a free time. What are they using to define this Superman and Superwoman role? What do they mean by that? Uh, I, I think the intent is to say uh, someone who takes on all responsibilities. Ah, okay, gotcha. Just yeah. responsibility. Okay. Which would be, I mean, from a pastor's perspective, again, uh, to, to, I Sounds think. Sounds exactly to, like a pastor. Not the health of the pastorate, but that is often the case. Yeah. Um, to, to doing all those things. Uh, all right, that was the end, that was the end of the study. Okay. Yeah. I'd, I'd I'd really like to read that article and figure out if there was a there's a reason behind that study or if they just took the data from this larger study and then kind of filtered it through to a very specific outcome. I don't ever want to hear from it again. Dan says he doesn't need to take it in at all. <laughs> they wasted my life. Dan's like I'm in out. Research. I'm not invested. I'm done. Forget Duke. Uh, I'm no longer going to Duke. <laughs> all right. Surprising. Uh, all right, so let's see here. There was another article that said, in Christ alone, most believers say they don't need others for discipleship. I suppose uh, initially, is that a surprise? I, I, I'm kind of daft here. I'm not understanding what that means. Okay, here, let me read it. Over the past des- decade, more believers are heading the, uh, heeding the scriptural call to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, but they're often doing discipleship on their own. A wide-ranging survey by LifeWay Research found that while U.S. Christians had made improvements in areas like reading their Bibles daily, prioritizing obedience to Christ, <laughs> I've made it a priority, and avoiding temptation, uh, their connections with fellow Christians have weakened. Hispanic and African-American churchgoers may represent an exception to the overall trend. That explains why aren't the, why aren't the Hispanic Christians overweight. Right. Doggone that study. Forget course. Um Showing even greater progress in discipleship while deepening community ties. Those communities are much better at that. 
The discipleship. Uh, what's with the Europeans? Is it the? Is it a European problem? <laughs> the Anglo-Saxon European yeah, lineage. Yeah, we're just like we're just we're loners. Get away. The only way to entice people to come together is like, well, you better bring me some food, yeah, and I will yeah. come. So I'm not coming for discipleship. No, I'm not showing up for that. But PB and J and maybe some side of baked beans, devil's eggs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm in. The the result came from this year's uh, 2019 discipleship pathway assessment, which tracks eight measures of belief and practice. And compared to similar study Lifeway conducted in 2011, here we go. Among Protestants who attend church at least once each month, most believe that an essential part of following Christ is saying no to the self and living to glorify God. This year, 66% of believers agreed with the statement, a Christian must learn to deny himself or herself to serve Christ. Makes me really sad for the other 34%. Like, <laughs> no, no, he's, uh, he's my co-pilot. <laughs> I'll fly the plane. <laughs> oh, man, sorry, keep going. Uh, Christian, let's see, slightly fewer churchgoers prioritized obedience when LifeWay studied this in 2011. All right, we're up 2%. Oh, man. Uh, let's see, they are spending more time in the Word. In 2019, 59% of churchgoers read the Bible every day or a few times each week, compared with 45% in 2011. I, I'm kind of surprised by that, to be honest. I, I, I maybe I wonder like what do you mean, like how much did, like desk calendar, or like yeah I was gonna say how much of this of is day. your uh, is your uh, uh, three verse Max Lucado uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah devotional yeah I mean if you say devotionals um, I mean maybe that, that that would make more sense right agreed yeah I would yeah. assume there'd be more podcasts going on these days yeah yeah or listen to a right, podcast yeah. about something I just think of the old ladies that populate the Christian bookstores and yeah. buy the newest devotional. Old ladies are keeping these numbers afloat. Yes, they are. Um, uh, last one, over three-quarters of respondents agreed with the statement, I try to avoid situations which I might be tempted to think or do immoral things. Up from 73%. Good, we got another 2% bump. Hey. We're moving. Yeah. We're moving. 25% are like, you know what, house of ill repute? I might walk in there. <laughs> think and see what happens. I'm good with that. I have been in the strip club in a while. Not supposed to lie. I might be a politician. I just might be an option. Uh, let's so. I live as if I exist. Okay, check this out. The question, I live as if I exist to praise and glorify God. 33% strongly agree. 33% somewhat agree. 24% are neutral. I neither agree or disagree with that statement. Uh, A strong 10% are in the somewhat or strongly disagree category. What? I live as if I exist to... Well, they could just be being honest, actually. Not, I don't think I should. Rather than, yeah, okay, yeah. Do I live this way? No, I do not. You think it's 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 a statement of what they're actually at, not what they believe. In fact, be I'm stronger support. That should be a higher number. <laughs> I think of people that do not do that. Yeah, agreed. yeah. They say, look, you agreed know what? Entirely. I don't, I don't live as I if as I exist to praise and glorify God. I might be in the neither agree or disagree at some points in time. I was going to say, if anyone finds themselves strongly agree with that portion, they should probably take a step back in humility and yeah. realize that's not actually true at all. <laughs> <laughs> I strongly agree that I live only to exist in faith and in praise to the Lord. Ooh, you're a human. Okay, so let's let's get your get your thoughts on these numbers. Uh, on the statement, I intentionally spend time with other believers in order to help them grow in their faith. Uh, what percentage do you think strongly agree? Uh, I'd say twenty four percent. I was gonna go twelve. Okay, uh, well, let's meet in the middle. It's about nineteen. Nineteen okay. percent strongly agree. So one in five. Christians say I spend time intentionally uh, meeting with other believers to help them grow their faith. Now, now here's the deal. I, of of the seven percent beyond what I suggested, they're, they're liars. They think 
They think they are, but they really aren't doing anything. <laughs> they just show up and just because important. you're eating together does not mean you're discipling. Right, together. right. Yeah. But they're they're probably thinking. So I was trying to be more accurate. No. Yeah. I'm all right. Here's the deal. I'm okay with you laying a foundation, but you got to have two cooks in the pot, like multiple spoons in there. Uh, you can be slowly meeting with a person to build a relationship while actually spending time discipling somebody else. Like you don't have to play the long game on one guy and say I'm on a 40 year game, boys. Eventually, I'll invite him over for talk right. about Jesus and a pamphlet. Um, I, I think that seems about right to me. Actually, one yeah. in five, and, and I, I actually, I'm with Dan. Actually, maybe I, I bend a little bit more. Um, that seems less likely to me that it's actually that high. Um, because the church would be exploding. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, Agreed. I would agree. Twenty eight percent. If we're actually doing discipleship correctly, yeah, even a small fraction of us doing it legitimately correctly, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, if if there's one, if there's one person out there with two other folks helping with them build it. One, meet Jesus, and one, build their faith in Jesus. Like, we wouldn't be talking about this. Exactly. Yeah. Mathematically, that is going to build ex- exponentially. Um, 28%. Oh, and by the way, I would say of the 19% that strongly agree, um, like, th- th- this is, that does meet the normal percentage. Like, there are some people that are carrying four or five people, groups of people. Um, a lot of them are pastors. Although, if I think uh, it'd be interesting to see how many pastors they actually talk to and who aren't, yeah. who aren't doing this either. I bet you there's a lot of pastors who are not. Yeah, yeah. They get busy in right. the administrative and get bogged down, and they mm-hmm. forget, oh, yeah. Which is, again, it goes back to, like, what kind of position have we put some of these folks in where, hey, they don't have time to take care of themselves or disciple people individually? we got, we got to rethink yeah. that kind of stuff. Got to rethink. the concept of the corporation versus the body of Christ. Uh, 34% neither agree or disagree, and then an honest 19 or either somewhat disagree or strongly disagree. I am not doing this at all. I do not intentionally spend time with other believers. Again, I think that's underrepresented, yeah. if we're being honest. They might intend to do differently. Uh, and frankly, I, I go through seasons of this where I have to, um, I have to intentionally reset. Like I have, I have a, a list of, of uh, guys primarily that I'm, that, I, uh, that I'm praying for and that I'm meeting with, and then stuff starts happening at work and stuff starts happening at home, and I might go three weeks and I haven't met with anybody, and I have to intentionally go, look, I, 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 wanted, I need to talk to somebody next week. Get some, call them up. We're having coffee, and then I'll – Maybe I'll wait a week, and then I'll, like it doesn't mean you got to line up fifteen people every week. Um, but if you're going multiple weeks and not touching base with someone, not only for your own their edification, but for your own, um, we're, you're missing out. You're not making the most of the opportunity um, that God has put in front of you. Right. Uh, Man, I stink at that. I know. I, know. I stink at that. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I think here's the deal, and this is this is my own admission more than anything else. Um, I've always been weary of my faith level to be able to do that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I've always been weary that, like, I'm not the guy that should ever be mentoring somebody. I should just constantly be mentored by a bunch of people. And and, and interestingly enough, that's kind of switched in the last couple months. And, like, you saying that aloud totally just hit my heart really hard of, man, I love Jesus. I love following him. I love learning about him. And for my own edification, maybe I should find myself where I, – and I do meet with a couple uh, a couple people, this being one of them – uh, of spending time with dudes, but like, am I trying with anybody else? Am I trying to help steer someone in the right course? And yeah. I, the answer is no, right now. Well, crap. Yeah. All right. Got to be one. Got to be. Somebody. I know. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not because I'm short on time. Yeah. So I. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. And, and here's the deal: it's, uh, don't don't take what we were talking about earlier. It's it's okay to to start building relationships, man. It's, right. to, it's totally fine. Um, but like, if you're, um. Like you, you can't share good news without actually sharing good news. Like right. you're gonna have to get to it, friend. Um, so, so get yourself so you're in the right right relationship to do so. Take take your time. That's fine. But like, just know that um, 
when, when Jesus wanted the good news spread, like he actually intended to talk about the good news, not just, oh, like those guys seem happy and we're good natured. Right. Although you should be those things. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got to do it, boo. Yeah, I do. Um, and, but you know what's interesting? He says, so the places where believers struggle, based upon the survey then, are the most are sharing Christ and building relationships, um, which is rooted, um, if you think about what people say we're, we're, we're nailing, is on uh, the deceit that, that your faith is, is an individual thing um, to the extent that, that uh, God is looking for kind of a, a, a mental ascent, um, not, not something that actually controls your, whole, your mind and your body and changes who you interact with and how you interact and the desire to otherwise spread good news to the world. Like, you misunderstand the mission of the kingdom as if everyone else's job is to take Christ to you so that you may know, and then it's supposed to stop with you. Like, that's a, that's a misunderstanding of your faith. And, and frankly, borderline uh, unfaithful and, and, and unobedient to Jesus. Um, to think that it stops there. Like, that's just the wrong idea. You are not the primary focus of the game. Um, and and I, I know you probably don't feel that way uh, if you're not doing any of these things well. And like I said, I admit to, to having to force myself to make sure I keep him in line. Um, but just recognize that that's ultimately what it ends up being is like, hey, um, faith, the, the spreading of the good news was meant to come to me. And that then it's met its end result and it's not beholden to me to spread it around. Like that doesn't sniff right at all. You never agree to that. But that's, right. what, your, that's what your physical body is saying. Right. Uh, okay, the rest of that gets pretty long. I'm not going to worry about it. Uh, okay. Hey, so uh, on that hot dog cannon thing, Booba, what's, what's the people are they're clamoring at the lawn. They, they've they're shown up. They couldn't even look at the girl on her birthday who that's, got the hot dog cannon hot dog. It's my fault entirely. I yep. just I, I seem too much like the Pope, and I, I need these people off my lawn, so i got to give them a little bit of advice. Yeah. Um, and so here's my advice, and this kind of came about uh, from uh, really kind of today reading through my Bible study that I'm in, but culmination of a couple things within my life recently. Um, and this is more of a, of a call out for myself too, also, but, uh, I'm really sick and tired of the concept of this watered down, uh, greeting card love that we call out, right? Like the concept of, of, of how often people call out that they love God and they love him and, and all this different stuff. But like, you can see when somebody loves him, like it, it's, it's, it shows. And, and, and we have this, we have this. Fully emotional, not physical, not invested thought process of love, and it's. And I don't know. I don't know enough internationally about the church in the world, but I know the American church, and I think that we've we've developed this concept of of love with God is supposed to be this. Oh yeah, I have good feelings towards him, and that must mean love, and and I don't resent him in any way, shape, or form. And as long as he's doing things that are not really getting in the way of me, and I'm able to live out my my prideful and boastful life, I sure do love him. And man, is that crap. And it's, 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 it's an offering to God that is just, I mean, I can't even imagine being God and getting that offering. <laughs> like, like uh, knowing what I've seen him of, of rejecting offerings that are not up to his standard. And, and knowing from an Old Testament God that is a jealous God that expects this from us. Like, I'm very thankful for, for the fact that God is not just a wrathful God. Um, but we need to, as, as, as a kingdom... Start truly grasping what that means in loving God, and it's there's there's plenty of examples biblically of what love is, and and it, and it's never really an emotional thing. Love is not very often called out in the Bible to be oh, as long as you feel good about the Lord, you're good. Love is is if you obey my commandments, it is He who loves me. Uh, the one who loves my father is the one who obeys His commandments. If if He loves my father and I and loves me, 
uh, my father and I will dwell in his house forever, like that kind of stuff, John 14. Um, and even in, uh, I think I read Deuteronomy 28, there's a comment regarding uh, the concept of, of loving God and following his commandments. And we miss that. And it, it's, it's, it's sad. It really saddens me because we look at, uh, at, at God and our relationship with him as something that's still that, that proverbial genie that is, you know, as long as he fulfills the things that I'm asking him to do and doesn't generally get in my way, I love him and therefore have a good relationship with him. And not only from a condemning standpoint is that a terrible place to find yourself, but also from the perspective of missing out on the fullness of a relationship with him. That's also a super important part that saddens me. Because it's not just, oh, turn or burn, you're, you're, you're in the wrong here. Also, you're missing out on the fullness of what really loving the king is and finding him as your lord. And that's another thing we mess, mess up quite a bit that we was talking about at church this weekend is we don't understand the concept of lordship. We are not very good as an American church understanding what it means to be underneath the consent of a king. Uh, we, we've never lived that way and we've never had to live that way. And so we, we understand the concept of, yeah, there's someone in authority, but not to the perspective and not to the extent and we, of, and we put them there. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We elected that authority and yeah. that, that authority is given by us rather than that authority is, is existent outside of any permission that we offer. That authority is to be recognized and to be feared in certain aspects. And so uh, not, not to get off my original point, but you know, I would love to see what would happen in, in the church and the body of Christ in this world if we found ourselves in a place where we defined and lived out love as the way that God calls it to be and the way that Jesus calls it to be. It, is never, it was never meant to be just this watered-down hallmark thought process that was all about, oh, I feel good, and because I feel good, then I show love. It's the concept of you obey God that you love. And by obedience and through obedience to his commands, you show your love to him. And you show your respect and your admiration to the king and to the father and Yahweh of this universe. I can't even imagine what would happen in our lives and in this world if we truly started to understand that. And became a body of believers and a body of kingdom warriors that, that lived that out daily and were obedient to our everlasting father and the Almighty. And my advice to you is to take a step back. Survey the love that you, you call that you have for God. If it is not met with obedience and it is not fulfilled with works um, and, and living actionable things through your life, as far as I'm concerned scripturally, you're not loving him. Uh, you may think you are, but you're not. And I would strongly caution and encourage you to get to a place where your obedience and your showing God that you love him starts living itself out through your life. Get off my lawn. And they're gone. And they left. They said, I, I, can't, I can't take it anymore. Boo was, Boo was giving me the what for. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I like the right reckoning. Uh, this is where that, that, that part is king is, is super important, right? Because mm-hmm. it's the right reckoning of uh, our reality. Right. Um, of saying like this, the, the true thing is, is like I, I, you don't get to define love as whatever you want. Um, there, there is an objective understanding of what love is. The, God defined it for yeah. us. And we've taken liberties on that and messed it up. Yeah. And here's the deal. I suppose to the extent that you want to define it however you want to outside of your relationship with God, that is your own personal prerogative. Sure. But like you are not going to be able to get up uh, and meet the Lord Almighty uh, and say, look, I, I really loved you. And here's my truth. 
There's my definition yeah. of what it is. Good luck with that conversation. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and again, I, I, I think we need to see the the, the obedience part, right? Like, uh, um, we can we can celebrate, we can praise the fact that the God Almighty, like Lord Jesus, wears a crown because He is a good King. Mm-hmm. That is exciting. We are right. blessed for that truth. And, and and so like if you think back, um, if you think back of a situation where like you're actually ruled by kings, like everyone knew when the when the bad son was next in line, yeah, and <laughs> and mourned the kingdom that uh-huh. like and, and and the ruin that was going to come to them by his selfish behavior. Always watch for Asherah poles. And then you always waited. You always waited to know there's a good king. Is there a good king coming? And you knew that the land was going to be different, and the and the, the situation was going to be different because the good king did good things. The king loved his people, sacrificed for people, fought for good, tried to restore good things to the nation. And so, like, there was a crazy big difference between whether you had a bad king ruling or a good king ruling. Right. And just know that we, we serve under the best possible king, the perfect king. And so when he says, look, I ask for your allegiance, and to show that you love me is to do the things that I ask. For the benefit of my kingdom, right. and ultimately for the benefit of you. That's why I ask them. Yeah, that wasn't a selfish command from God. He was calling out that he knows the right way to live and the right way to be. And through obedience to his commands, he was calling out that you were, so, you were to be set apart. You were to be set apart from this world by laws and by commands. Uh, the commands that you find in the Old Testament, regardless of what your thoughts are of, you know, uh, Jesus dying on the cross, abolish that or whatever, I, whatever you find yourself. Those commandments were meant to be identifiers for his kingdom so that they were different than the rest of the world. They could be shown different through their actions and through what they did. And a lot of those things were directly or culturally protecting them from from the crud that was around them. We can still find ourselves in that place. Imagine ourselves even thousands of years after the original decree of those commands. If we find ourselves following those and in line with those, we will be set apart as a people uh, that are that are seeking after God earnestly and following His commands and loving Him. Imagine what happens to this world if we kingdom like that. And I think that goes back to um, what, what you and I were talking about before the show started, which is um, yeah, to, to 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 love God is to obey His commands. Um, and, and and elsewhere in Scripture, in, in in the Psalms, right? It's like we're to delight in them. Yeah. Right. It's because they're good. Like <laughs> you don't realize, like the like people take that stuff in the wrong way. Right. Like and frankly, even if God said, "Look, you don't even have to delight them, but you're going to do them," He's still the King. There, I, yeah. You're there's still do obedience anyway. there that He's Lord. But but just recognize that, like you know, you know His character. His right. character is for your good. Yeah. He's a good King and a good Father. That's right. And so like when you serve a good King, like if if the King says, "Look, this is what's good. This is what's good for you. This is good for the kingdom. It's good because I say it's good." Um, and, and, it met, and it runs up against what I think, then I think to myself, the king knows better than I. Right. That I will submit to that thing and I shall be obedient to it. Yeah. That isn't often what I think, right. but that is what I should think yeah. because the king is better, is a better king than I am not a king. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, right, and, and that's what he's, he's calling you to good. He's yeah. calling you to joy. He's calling you to peace. He's calling you to potential earthly suffering in his service. But whatever it is, it's it, it's <laughs> eternally good. Right, exactly. It's eternally good, and yeah. so that's what you're submitting to. And like, if you can't get on board with that, then I don't know what it is that you're actually getting on board with. Yeah, exactly. Like, and that's that is the exact portion. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Sorry. like every, everything that we're talking about doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. Like all the biblical images that we get. Like if he's a weak king who goes, <laughs> yeah, this is my kingdom, but you know what? Do whatever the heck you want. Right. Mm-hmm. The, I, this king language is way overdone. He's a he's a he's a kind neighbor. You know, even 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 kind of following that path, I had a conversation with with a family member of mine recently that he called me out and said that our faith is different uh, between him and I. 
Um, my faith calls me to be obedient and, and read my Bible and find his identity there. His faith calls him to just pray a lot. And I was like, okay, what do you mean by that? He goes, well, you, you read your Bible and you, you find who God is there. And I just, I feel like I don't do that stuff. I just pray a lot. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you pray about? And he goes, well, I just ask him for things and tell him about my day and stuff like that. I'm just like, wow, sounds like a really weak, watered-down God you serve. And he goes, well, what do you mean? I'm like, why would you ask a God that you don't believe in at all for anything? I said, you, you don't follow him. You don't obey him. You don't feel like he's your king. You don't follow him as your Lord. You don't praise him correctly. You're not in a place where you're even trying to find his identity. In what world does a God that sees that and gives you everything you want without your will aligning with his at all strike you as a good God? And he kind of shut up for a second. He goes, I never thought of it like that. I said, no, you didn't, dude. You got to find yourself in a place where you can't just start with, hey, genie, let me rub the lamp and ask for my three wishes. And if they're good enough, then I will follow with obedience. That sounds like a weak God that needs you versus the other way around of a God that you need, that you find sustenance from, you find yourself obedient to as Lord of Lords and King of Kings and Yahweh and your universe. Like, dude, you are missing out on the fullness of God. And not just from, again, not a condemnation standpoint of, oh, buddy, you better gird your loins kind of place. But seriously, how weak of a God do you serve? Like, you should find mine that is strong and faithful and loving and caring and kind. And when you find his identity and you follow that in obedience, when you start asking for things, when your heart and your will align with what he wants, you will be dumbfounded by what you find after that. You will be astonished and amazed and in awe of the God that is powerful and is living and is true. All right. Yeah, that's what I got. Okay. Beautiful. Uh, here we go. At a um, at Booba's insistence, uh, we're going to do a quick joke. <laughs> Why well, you got to call me out like that? Uh, he says, uh, one day the zookeeper noticed that the monkey was reading two books, the Bible and Darwin's The Origin of Species. <laughs> In surprise, he asked the ape, why are you reading both of those books? Well, said the monkey, I just want to know if I was my brother's keeper or my keeper's brother. <laughs> Uh, okay, I kind of like that one. <laughs> I'm willing to take admittance of that on the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. I liked it. Yeah, okay. I think that's the first one I've actually enjoyed. Uh, okay, it's hold still going to have been awful. Here, wait, here's another. Okay, what, in the same category of creation, here okay. at the cleanchristianjokes.com. Uh, one day, a group of scientists got together and decided that man had come a long way and no longer needed God. So they picked one scientist to go and tell him what, that they were done with him. The scientist walked up to God and said, God, we've decided that we no longer need you. We're to the point that we can clone people and do many miraculous things. So why don't you just go on and get lost? God listened very patiently and kindly to the man. After the scientist was done talking, God said, very well, how about this? Let's say we have a man-making contest. To which the scientist replied, okay, great. But God added, now we're going to do this just like I did back in the old days with Adam. The scientist said, sure, no problem, and bent down and grabbed himself a handful of dirt. God looked at him and said, no, 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 you go get your own dirt. There it is. There, the zinger. Go get your own dirt, bazinga. Uh, dear life in the path. My wife constantly craves compliments about her age. When about we meet people, she regularly asks how old they are, which I think is rude and inappropriate. <laughs> like hey, comparatively. <laughs> then she asks me if I know how old they are, and I say no because I don't think it's any of my business. <laughs> she then asks them, "How old do you think I am?" <laughs> 
Almost always they guess low, <sighs> which makes her happy. She thinks there's something wrong with me for not being curious about someone's age. I'm not sure that's the problem. No, uh, I think that's the issue. Abby, is it appropriate when meeting someone to ask how old he or she is? To me, it's like asking how much they weigh, which is also none of my business. No. Especially if, she's, if it's a Pentecostal fella. <laughs> is my wife rude, or am I the one with the problem? I like people, but I don't need the intimate details of their lives. Well, I think he's missed the boat on this one. <laughs> I think your wife is just fishing, boys. Oh, man. Like, it's yeah. weird. He got, the front, he got the first part right. My wife constantly craves compliments about her age. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. Past that, like, the etiquette of everything in the middle is not only yeah. not relevant, but you know the answer to yeah, this question. Yeah, she does not give a crap how old they are. Right. All she cares about is the compliment of them saying, oh, you can't be that old, Janice. <laughs> this is ridiculous. The pretense is so ridiculous. Hey, how old are you, uh, Gail? Oh, hey. Steve, my husband, do you know how old Gail is? <laughs> no. Do you, how about no, how old I am? <laughs> it's ridiculous. This, this makes me sad for this woman that she constantly has to go around fishing for this kind of compliment. Man. Find your identity in Christ. You're okay. Oh, man, alive. Everything will be all right. I don't know. Dan, husband, if you need to love your wife, better compliment her more. What do you think? Yeah, she, she has a, a low self-image, and a, uh, she's got problems, and... Uh, she just needs to stop. She needs to stop that. That's, That's ridiculous. Yep, yep. I can just stop that directly. Yeah. Uh, now, what's, what's the advice for the dude? What do I do? Well, his question is, is, it, is she, how do you say that? Is, I mean, yeah, she's wrong. I mean, yeah. So Is it appropriate? No. He, he's, asking, no he's asking the wrong question here. He doesn't need to be asking about the, the social niceties of the situation. He needs to be asking about how can I love my wife better? Yeah. How, can, how can I help? How can I help her, her stop doing yeah, this? How can I help her fill her bucket <laughs> so that she does not need to go around and uh, and create these awful situations uh, fishing for compliments? Yeah, maybe he needs Why to give her so more unhappy? words of affirmation. Right, exactly. Is she looking for compliments because she's not getting them anywhere else? If so, husband, get on it. Text her every morning and tell her she looks great. You look young. I don't. Uh, I could be wrong, but she kind of comes off as someone who is not satisfied with only her husband's. Yeah. That's very valid. That's why I'm saying if that's the situation, fix it. If it's a wife that's just constantly seeking attention elsewhere, well, she needs help. Not Here's yet. the deal. Yeah, I, I don't know. Help. Let me ask you this, fellas. I, I need some uh, honest advice here. Is it wrong? Like, if, 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 if my wife was doing this over and over again, and I've talked to her and said, look, you got to knock that off. Like, you shouldn't be doing it. And she said, hey, do you know how old Janice is? And I would say, no, because it's rude. Is it wrong to do that in public? I would <laughs> totally call that out. Eventually, if it takes that kind of shock factor, I don't think that's that big of a deal. Mm. I'd say, well, I don't, I don't know, but she looks longer, younger than you. I don't yeah. think I'd ever yeah. find myself saying that, Dan. <laughs> I'm not sure, sweetheart, but I'm guessing 10 years you're junior. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not a good idea. Why do, why do you want me to answer I suppose that? I'm not the only married, I'm, I'm the only unmarried man in this room, but I just feel like that's not the right way. I think there's, I mean, there's got to be a point where, like, if they, I mean, I don't know what it takes to drive it home, but, I mean, mercy. That's call, too much. Call a woman in your church that knows right things that is her senior and can come talk to her. If you're one of those people, call the complaint line. That's it. I mean, legitimately. <laughs> Let's say now here's I'm gonna set the parameters. Let's say this has been going on for forty years, all right? Forty Ooh. years I've been talking about this. And the wife continues to to fish for compliments in this way after How I've asked her not to do that. Worried about age for forty years. Is it is it wrong to, to go ahead and just kinda lay down the anvil <laughs> in this conversation? That's a five one five five one seven zero zero eight five. I'm ready. I'm ready for this. Oh, buddy. Bowens have been girded. I'm interested, yeah. Let me know. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Dear life from the path. Oh wait, uh, wait sorry. Secular. Sorry, yeah. secular advice was. Um, many people dislike being asked their age. 
and to ask that question of a stranger is not appropriate. That your wife raises the subject become because she seeks validation about her looks is sad. I'm guessing she will stop doing it when people answer her question honestly. I, th I mean, your, uh, your optimism is <laughs> not afforded withstanding. Nope. Oh, there we go. Their life for the path. Whenever the opportunity presents itself, I donate one of my famed, framed oil paintings for fundraising. On one of these occasions, my friend and her husband purchased raffle tickets and won my painting. They happily took it home. Months later, there was to be a silent auction at an event. My friend asked if I would mind if she donated that painting to it. It disturbed me that she obviously didn't care to keep my painting. But I told her that she owned it and it was hers to do with as she chose. To this day, this incident stirs up resentment because she obviously didn't wish to keep my artwork. Am I childish to harbor this disappointment? Yes. Yes. Yes, you are. Without a doubt, and I refuse to give any more than that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I get the artist's inner turmoil, but it's, it's immature. But the point wasn't his art. The point was the fundraiser. And she wants to raise more funds through his art, so that's a good thing. But sometimes you, you, you take things personally that you shouldn't, and I think that's where this guy's at. Yeah. I mean, I, frankly, is it childish? Yeah, because I, I think there, you think you have an adult's ability to run that through a perspective. I mean, here's the deal, especially as, like a, as an artist. I mean, that's a pretty divisive world. Like, not everybody uh, is creating uh, uh, Who Let the Dogs Out or whatever. Something art that everyone will enjoy. You know what I'm talking about, <laughs> Hold up. Yeah. By the Your example the of something yeah. that everyone would enjoy in the artistic world yeah. is Baha Men's Who Let the Dogs Here's Out? The deal. I don't care that how callous big. you are. How callous you are. When that fires up at a wedding, everyone's in. Hey, did you know that song was about ugly people? Yeah. I, I, I literally I heard that song first when I was like eight years old when it came out. And so I, I thought it was about legitimate dogs. That's all and I, I ever never thought finished. about it again yeah. until I was like 22. Well, it, and it, then, holy crap, they're talking about ugly people. No, it's actually more specific than that. It's about, it's about rowdy, um, rude fellas at a party. Really? Yeah, like it's the ladies that are saying, who let, the dog, who let, these, who let these dudes in here who are, who, are, who are being crass? Really? Yeah. Yeah, listen back to it. It's 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 it's. I don't have to do that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's about offensive dudes. They play that a lot when I walk into a party. It's really weird. <laughs> Dan goes, I don't know what happened. <laughs> Who let the dance out? It's, it's <laughs> the party Dan. <laughs> anyway, oh, here's yeah, the deal. <laughs> You're <laughs> the party Dan. <laughs> it's the greatest persona that's ever come through this show. Is the party Dan? Oh man, you can you can bet that there will be a meme about that by next <laughs> that's Monday. That's fantastic. Party Dan. Um, so, Good so, luck, Dan. But here's the thing. When you're doing oil on canvas, I feel like you're, you're entering a much more subjective world, especially the type of art I want to hang in my house. Do you know how many, you know how many paintings I've said no to? Oh, All of them. Yeah, <laughs> I was right. going to say, everyone besides Every maybe a painting of a cow? Every single one of them. And so, like, it, it feels like a highly subjective thing. I, I'm also guessing that they bought raffle tickets and happened to win your painting. Like, they also could have won a, a two-week vacation to the Bahamas or a tea set. And so... It's, I'm not getting the indication that they picked out your painting and specifically like ordered raffle tickets for it. In either case, uh, knowing that art is very subjective, uh, this seems to be like something you're just going to have to grow some skin about. Yeah. You released that once you donated it to this organization. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Secular says, if your friend hadn't liked your painting, she wouldn't have bid for it. I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know about that either. It uh, be charitable. For whatever reason... Uh, wrong size, colors didn't fit in with her color scheme, it didn't work for her. Resentment is a disease that oh, eats away suck. at relationships. Let it go. 
Yeah, so here, here's, here's the deal. Uh, a few years ago, I was at some deal with the food pantry, and there was a silent auction, and I was doing some other stuff. By the time I got to the silent auction, everything had been given out, except for a, uh, like, it was a, what do you call those, a selfie movie? Oh, selfie uh, stick? Well, you, you know, like they have a little, like at weddings. Shanna had one at her wedding. You, you, you do the, a, the photo a booth. Photo booth? Photo booth, thank you. I couldn't yeah. even think of it. Uh, it was a little packet with a bunch of little stupid masks. And stuff. Yeah. I, I didn't want that crap. Uh, but it's like, hey, it's the only thing left. So I bid like 50 bucks on it because it was a don't, you know, it was helping the food pantry. Right. And so I went home with a bunch of masks and uh, gave cool. to the kids. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, the junior worship or something. I can't remember what it was, but um, it's like, I don't think the people were like offended that, right. I mean, or, that I didn't take it home and have my own photo booth. So I got too personal with his art. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, it's it's your personal art. I like, I totally understand. But like, I, it's just the nature of it, and I wouldn't be offended. Hey, man, I am an off the cuff, uh, live from the path from me right okay. now because this okay. just popped in my head. <laughs> Is it okay? Oh, dear, live from the path. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes my family does white elephants for Christmas. Yeah, oh. and like the 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 grab bag kind of deal where everybody puts in one present and. You kind of just f- somehow get a present through the mechanics of the games, right? Yeah. You get to trade. Yeah, you get to trade sometimes, and there's it's like two trades, and okay, yeah, yeah, two yeah. trades, and then once it's traded a third time, then it's locked. Oh, okay. okay, okay. And so obviously, people vie for the gifts that seem like the best gifts, uh, and some of them are are not so great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is it is it okay to have some amount of of anger at your family members for giving crappy gifts to the grab bag, like they intentionally didn't put a lot of thought into it? And so you're, you're like, trying the hardest to get into, like, a cool gift because you brought a cool one in your eyes. Yeah. Yep. And then somebody you, you ended up giving you a 24-pack of beer and, uh, and a couple of scratch-off tickets. Yep, yep. Yeah. Is yeah. it okay to be a little angry about no. that when you mm. – No. It's nope. not? No. Nope. That's the whole point. This nope. supposed to be crap. No, like, everybody put in some sweet gifts, and then someone obviously went and bought it on the way there at should, the gas yeah, station. there should never be no more than two really nice things. Yes, agreed. Interesting. Yeah. The rest okay. is, like, broken hangers and – Okay. I mean, yeah. All right. Yeah. Right, fair enough. Thank you. I appreciate that, fellas. All right, final one. Dear Life in the Path, I'm about to blow my top. Oh, buddy. I'm a married father of two in the military who works 12 hours daily to support my family. Uh-oh. His wife's not doing it. My wife and I are college grads and have been married five years. For those years, we've maintained residence in Hawaii. Ooh, my wife doesn't work. I know the base. And tries to run a daycare that is mildly successful. <laughs> Wait, how does she not work but runs a daycare? That sounds like work. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Here he goes, uh, our home is always dirty because, as she puts it, she is not a housemaid. She doesn't cook often either. Many times I come home so tired I can't see and the house is a mess. This has caused arguments. My thinking is, if she's not going to take care of the house, she should get a job and help with the finances. Hold it. The money she gets from the daycare doesn't go toward the household. She considers it her spending money. Oh. Oh, there you go. See? Took a little twist, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I'm ready to bounce and find greener pastures. All ah. right. Wow. I have tried talking to her, but she ignores my complaints and plays the victim. We have already tried counseling. It doesn't work because she goes back to her normal self afterward. Help. It's a serious business yeah. at the Hawaiian hack, Hawaiian Ooh, Castle. buddy. Yeah. You, you, yeah. You've got to pick this out, buddy. Got two kids, right? Uh, got a covenant. Got You got to figure out. You're, you're, you, you've done the counseling, but you're still bitter. I'm still thinking and processing while I'm talking. But uh, I was going to say, as a side statement, okay, as a fellow that is not married, and and has never been, 
you know, I, I'm a firm believer in the concept of the covenant of marriage with God. Firm believer in that. I'm a firm believer in not divorcing um, pretty much anything, to be honest. Um, you know, how does uh, someone in a marriage that that felt like they did the right thing going up to getting married, you know, felt like they knew the person, felt like the person in faith was trying to build a foundation of, of God at the center of the relationship. How does someone deal with that level of of discouragement in a relationship and discouragement in a marriage? And how does one deal with with earnestly seeking God, but their partner not uh, I mean, when that, in a marriage? You said it earlier in the show, that love is not an emotion. Okay. You love anyway. Okay. So it's just kind of you're in the situation, you deal with it. Uh, that's my heart knows the answer. Okay. Yeah. And that's fair. That's what I was asking yeah. for is because, like, I, I feel like that is my hard-nosed answer also, but I don't want to just be a stickler on it and not have any basis for it. So you need to either learn to be okay with the situation or figure out how to help her through this. Yeah. But there's no greener pasture. Right. I yeah, mean, you're in the pasture you're, you're in. in. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's fair. I just figured – sorry, random, random thought, but I just figured I'd ask The thing you. is you can't control another person. I mean, Agreed, yeah. You, you know, you just can't. I mean, so – yeah, right. If you thought if you thought by marrying someone you established some level of control over them, yeah. like you were mistaken. That doesn't feel right at all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, frankly, and I know this this is touchy for people, but like, um, why the Bible starts talking about things like submission and service, right? Your calls to husband and wife are submission and service. It's not, uh, it's not control, right? It's not dictation, right? Uh, because that that isn't the nature of the relationship you're getting. Where you're talking to free willed individuals saying, "Look, we agree to share this space, time, and relationship with each other," uh, and p- people going to f- and themselves out and about uh, at times. Like, it's just the nature of people. Uh, mm-hmm. You included, right? Like, right. Uh, we're primarily propagators of that. And so, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Right. Just figured I'd ask. Uh, so, for this, for the, so this fella, um, well, so, so I, let's get to some core principles here. So, for starters, like, um, I, I, I grant this is a problem. No one likes to feel one underappreciated, and no one likes to feel like they're towing the whole rope, right? Right. And so, and to the extent that someone that, that we, we can't talk about that honestly, like every couple goes through this, right? Uh, the, the, the concept of, of an equity, which it, with the things that people are dealing with in the marriage, whether it's work, whether it's emotional toll, whether it's dealing with the children. Um, and, and I find this, um, it's exacerbated at times by, with um, families that I know where um, there's, a, there's a sole income. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's it's there, there's not even um, there's a clear that like there's a staying home and then there's a leaving. Right. Um, and so but but you got to be real clear what you're giving up, like what you're what you're what you're sacrificing for. Right. Like mm-hmm. um, I can't reasonably like I am intentionally working so that my wife can stay home to do the things with our family that we both can't do. Like it cannot be that we both stay home. We No one makes any money. Right. But there's a means that somebody gets to stay home and raise children and school children um, or even, I guess it's not unique to that situation though, because like the same same thing happens with two working adults. You're out of the house, and then everybody's tired, and we look around and say, "Who's going to do this junk?" Dinner still has to be made. Uh, kids still have to be dealt with, and no one was home like during the day to kind of pick up stuff and go to the bank and do all the stuff. And so, like, um, so I think acknowledging at least at least having a right understanding of what the other person is doing, because everyone tends to shade it to their own benefit. I go out, I work hard, you don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, the the grounds that say like you don't own a mutual like so, so like core principles are you own a mutual house you have mutual children you have equal responsibility for them um, time makes it like in my example time makes it so that my wife handles the things with the children more often she's simply around them more 
right? But that does not otherwise default her to being the person who's responsible for my children. Uh, we're equally responsible for my children. Right. And so anyway, I, I say this like one of these things is just a there's one there's a core concept that says, look, I work 12 hours a day and I come home and the house is dirty. I mean, still your house, dude. And so do, when I'm home, as an example, when I'm home, I, sometimes I work from home. I'll generally start dinner because I'm home, but not because it's I'm doing it for my, on my wife's behalf or like it's either her or my responsibility. Like we have joint responsibilities. And so uh, the broadly to say is like you're going to have to keep talking through this. This is a constant conversation, and the way to force yourself into seeing it correctly is to, is to is acknowledge what someone else is doing. And then is it possible that there's an inequity here? Sure. Yeah. Sure. There, there is a possibility. Ultimately, these, a lot of these things are your responsibility as a dude. Again, back on the submission topic and the service topic, uh, I, I, there's, there's a lot of stuff that just lands on the fella. Like you're going to have to put up with that kind of stuff. And then continue to show your wife – um, love and um, continue to communicate. Hey, this is this, I'm busy, or this is what's going on in my life, and work to living that life together. But like I, these are not easy conversations because they get at personal things. They get at very personal intentions of like, um, are people pulling their own weight in what we agreed to do together? And so I, I think it's not easy, and I think you're gonna have to talk about it constantly. Um, I think counseling. I would keep sticking to counseling. I wouldn't give right. up on that. Yeah, it sounds like they do it for a little while and then give up when it seems like something's good. And then she, from from what I heard, at least I think so, was that after they get done, she goes back to her old ways. Maybe yeah. you should stop stopping counseling. Maybe you should just continue that regardless of, of some, like, uh, uh, quantitative goal. Well, he obviously thinks the issue is all hers. Sure, right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was taken. We're getting counseling. She's not listening. Yeah. That's, oh, that's always the great place to find yourself. <laughs> I've had I've just talked to people and like you know, like say marriages where you know hey we stopped going to this person because this person didn't like it and then you move it because the other person didn't like it. I'm like again we like no no counselor is going to fix with this what's going on right here. Yeah. Like you got to be willing to change it. Like I and I, I was just looking at some of the specific things he says like our home is always dirty because if she puts it she is not a housemaid. Uh, two two again core principles one uh, you're not either. Uh, I suppose as a job. But you both are responsible for the house. Right, exactly. And so, like, it's, it's, here's what's not cool is someone who goes, look, not my problem. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dirty the house during the day and wait till someone comes and cleans it up. That sucks. Uh, but the thought that, like, you may not be a housemaid by trade, but as a person that owns a house, yeah, your you job have responsibilities is, yeah, exactly, in a house. Yeah. You cleaned up. Yeah, and it can't be like, hey, I was busy. Here's the thing is that, like, I'm busy at work. Uh, my wife is busy at home. Uh, that doesn't give either of us the ability to make messes and just say they're not our problem, they're someone else's deal. Right. Right. Just because I was at work doesn't mean I get to cause, like, get a bunch of stuff out, make some toast, and make a mess at breakfast, and then bail and go, well, I got to work. Just like she can't say, well, I was, I was home busy all day, and so, no, I didn't bother to pick anything up and just made a huge mess hoping you'd come home and clean it. Mm-hmm. Nobody, li- that's not, nobody likes any of that. Mm-hmm. That's just selfish behavior. You know, do you think as, as and I'm, I'm going to call out a specific gender here, do you think as dudes we – uh, we we interpret this wrong a lot of the ways because we think, especially in homes where um, one one person within the, the household works and one person doesn't, um, that just because when we're at work, that's our work, but then we're done once we leave and then all the other work is not ours, right? Like we bring home the bacon, if you will, and then everything else is not our responsibility because we work. And we have some expectation of a ridiculous amount of free time because as long as we're not in our 40 or in this case, a 60-hour work week, 
all the other hours of the week are ours to do with whatever we want. We don't need to love our family correctly. And I mean, with fathers, our job is not the children. Our job is not the dishes. Our job is not taking care of stuff. If it's not chopping down wood and going to work, it's not us. Mm-hmm. Like, I just feel like that's, that feels, that sniffs completely wrong. Like, it just feels like we have this, this incredibly skewed version of responsibility and this incredibly view, skewed version of, like you were saying, with equity, of understanding what a split is and what 50-50 is, you know? I think that there's there's certain compromise to, yeah, just because you're not at your 40-hour work week doesn't mean that your work's done. Now your work is to take care of the house. Now your work is to love on your kids. You put them, to, you get, you make dinner sometimes. You do bath time sometimes. You put them to bed. Just because you're not at your 40- or 60-hour work week doesn't mean you're just done. Yeah, besides pushing a child out of your nether regions, I can't think of anything that I'd slowly say, this, like exclusively say, this is ladies' work. Right. Right? Like, I, men are capable of all of those things. There's a lot of times where, like, uh, again, this is the nature of uh, if you if your relationship is in a healthy place, uh, you know you, you don't have certain people don't do certain things because they're not any good at it. Right. Yeah. Like you know what I I, I don't sh- think I'll find myself sewing my children's clothes anytime. I am soon. awful at sewing. I have attempted to sew things and I am terrible at it. I I, I, I split a pair of pants and I sewed that thing four times and resplit them five. Right. <laughs> like and I I just shouldn't do it and I'm glad to try and like my wife cooks most of the time because she better at it <laughs> right um but 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 he, the, the, that doesn't implicitly make it her responsibility right. and like there are some people where like this per- person always cooks totally fine right it's just it's just this this notion of a relationship that says look uh we're in this thing together let's let's shake it out so everyone is is kind of contributing equally and it, it's not a problem if you're constantly praying how can i serve my spouse right. today then this stops being an issue if you walk in saying i'm going to walk in and look for a way to help them um, you know, I, I'll tell you, so get back to my own example, I can tell you what my wife appreciates. She cooks the vast majority of the time. If I show up even just one day a week and go, you know what? I got this. I don't know what we're going to cook. You tell me what's on the list. I'll do something on the list <laughs> so they don't screw up the list. But, like, I'm but on You'll it. be the one who does it, yeah. I got this today. Me and the kids take care of the dishes or whatever. Like, don't even worry about it. Um, it's not, it wasn't her job. I didn't allevi- alleviate her of her job. But she generally assumes that type of responsibility because she's used to doing it. But, like, it, it, the point isn't that I made dinner. It's that I thought of her. I walked in and right. said, she's probably anticipating doing this. I'm going to grab it. I'm going to get that thing done. You know, and it, it kills me because as someone that's, that's constantly on an outside looking in situation in a lot of marriages, and unfortunately a lot of worldly marriages that just aren't doing well, I think we screw that up constantly. The concept of if you find yourself in a place where you are constantly serving the other one, both of you, Constantly serving the other, filling up their bucket, loving on them, learning how to love them better, and and obviously mo- most importantly focusing on God. Like, what better rates of marriage would we have in the United States and the world in the Christian community of people that are earnestly seeking how to love and how to serve the other? Right? Like, you can't you can't constantly be filling up someone else's bucket when yours isn't being filled. Right? Like the concept of of a finite amount of water, if you will, in that in- is instance. It doesn't work that way. You have to be filling each other up to be able to do that. And I think, you know, if I could impart any, any, any wisdom that doesn't come from me but from, from what I've seen in, in good marriages and what I've seen in, in the biblical concept of servitude, you know, that's what it looks like. It is people that are constantly loving on each other and serving one another in that marriage and not self, selfishly thinking about what am I getting out of this, but how can I pour into this? And the truth is, is that like within that reality, where that's not equitable, there there, there are spouses that get burned. Like there's right. there's there's some who don't like literally don't do anything. They're not doing anything to serve the other. And then uh, there's one person that's kind of doing everything. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's a terrible position. It really, really stinks. You're not 
that the, the, the relationship was not designed to be that. Um, well, you flesh this stuff out before you. Uh, it's wise. And like, here's, here's the, where, where, you, where you agree on Jesus. It's not that these things right. aren't a problem, but you have a foundation to talk about the problem. Yeah. Like, that's, that's where, like, at least we know um, in, my, in my fealty to the king, and the king says, this is what is good. I know that I'm supposed to sacrifice for my wife the way Christ sacrificed for me. Uh, and to serve my wife in that same way, which is that's an extensive amount of sacrifice here. Right. Right. That's 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 hardcore servitude. And so if that's what God calls me to, I cannot claim to fo- know, follow, love Jesus and ignore his direction for right. what my marriage is supposed to look like. Right. So we have a means to talk about. It, yeah. A framework to say, look, are, um, are we faithful here? Right. Christ we, is your mediator in that situation. Yeah, 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 and like that—that's the thing where we're being, uh, being in Christian counseling or like marriage, having a spouse who is also Christian is that there's a means to reconcile this type right. of thing. Outside of that, I, it's simply your prerogative. What do I feel? What am I getting? Um, do I really want to do this or don't I? And it's it's a lot harder to navigate. Right, you've got that objective truth to stand on at all times if you've got that relationship with Christ at the center. Mm, yep. Okay. Uh, so let's see. Um, yep. Did we get secular on that one? Yeah, here it is. Secular says, marriage is supposed to be a partnership, and from what you have written, your wife is unwilling to contribute to it. I can't change her, and neither can you. Because counseling hasn't resolved your obvious lack of compatibility, it's time to consult a lawyer. Wow. Come on, secular. That's why they're called secular. Literally didn't even think of the kids in that one. Even from a worldly standpoint, didn't think about the kids. That is, that's a real, that's really unfortunate. That's a rough one. I get, uh, here's the thing is that like, I, that's tough. It's, it's super tough being in an inequitable marriage, right? That's why we're called to the equity of it. Right. Um, is it's very difficult to be the one person. Now, um, sometimes your service means carrying people through times in which they're not acting the yeah. way they're not acting themselves. Yeah. Um, and they're not up to their, their, their best of intent. In fact, uh, that's definitely a thing. Happens all <laughs> right, the time. Right, exactly. That, yeah. That's the better or worse, richer or poorer right. yep. sickness than in hell. That, that's, it's easy that's to be exactly in America when it's happy is. all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, and and I, I think the um, the maturity, and Dan, I, I'd be interested to see what you think, but like the maturity of marriages to me, I think is reflected in not that this that this these conversations don't continue. Is that like they're in shorter instances, shorter amounts of time. People recognize them easier and don't blow them up. Like... You know, it's it's not that people people remain people, individuals remain individuals, and they're right. all constantly having to sacrifice to this notion of kind of a of a greater partnership. Um, but like, the, um, it's it's the same way you avoid arguments in a marriage. Like, you both can't be un, be unreasonable. Like, if if someone's upset, like just you just don't have to meet them where they are, and then that's when things become real nasty. You just acknowledge that for what they are, they're 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 upset, mm-hmm. and and try to support them through it, and then work your way through it. Just. Uh, but all all arguments require one party who started it and one person who decided, yep, I'm going to meet that head on. Right. You can avoid a lot of arguments by not meeting it head on. Mm-hmm. And so, like, maturity in marriage says, you know what? I'm not going to bring that head on today. They're having enough day. I'm going to work that out. Yep. All right. You've been listening to Live for Death. I really appreciate it. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. And, um, yeah, I have nothing else. We will see you next week. In the meantime, be faithful in the means. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path. <laughs>